there's a real risk that when gold goes above 2100, that it's really going to explode higher. Hi, and welcome to the Financial Fox, finance, investment, and crypto with a twist. I'm your host, Steffi B. I'm the founder of Corporate Communication Consultancy, Cassiopeia Services. And every week, I bring to you my favorite conversation with investment experts, market disruptors, mover and shakers, and the coolest projects in crypto. So today I'm not talking about crypto, but I'm talking about gold, investing in gold that many, many investors are looking at as inflation is here to stay and there is a lot of tension with geopolitical uncertainty. My guest is Jordan Roy Byrne, a gold proponent, a gold analyst, and the founder of the dailygold.com, a premium publication which emphasizes market timing as stock selection for precious metals investors. Now, before we go into the show, remember that any content here is for informational purposes only. So there is no financial advice and you need to do your own due diligence and research before making an investment decision. Now, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel and you are interested in investing, then you should click the subscribe button and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. I do talk about financial market. I talk about crypto projects. And today we are going to talk about gold investing. Now, even though we are not going to talk about crypto, this episode is supported by CoinPass, the fast, secure, and compliant crypto trading platform for investors, traders, and businesses in the UK. So you can find more information in the description and you can use the link also to open an account and start trading today. CoinPass bring the best of crypto to your doorstep is a fully regulated crypto platform offering a seamless and user-friendly purchasing experience. You can already find the top cryptocurrencies and they are adding up to four new coins each month. They've just released their new website with improved UX and UI, as well as some powerful extra features such as DeFi option and staking that are coming very, very soon. And that is all in a fully FCA registered and compliant package to every CoinPass users in the UK. They've also introduced a brand new CoinPass mobile app where you can manage your portfolio on the go. And here is the coolest things. They have a very attractive referral program where you can earn up to 20% commission. So use the link in the description to open an account and start trading today. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Hi, I'm well. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. So. It's uh, great to have you on and uh, talk about gold, investing in gold, which is a topic that uh, is quite hot, has been hot when inflation started to rise, uh, even more with the uh, conflict uh, uh, between Russia and Ukraine. And many, many investors watching this show are asking themselves, when gold is going to break? When we are going to see this super cycle that we are in that is going to send gold through the roof and silver through uh, the sky. 
<laughs> the billion dollar question for you. Well, I think we're actually very, very close to that moment. And in past interviews over the last year or two or three years, you know, I'd always say, oh, we're a year away or we're two years away. We're 18 months away. And you never can project exactly because, I mean, a couple of months ago, I would have at the beginning of the year, I would have said, yeah, we're still probably, you know, a year away, maybe 18 months, you know, whatever. But I mean, obviously the, you know, the war in Ukraine, it's kind of a black swan. It's definitely a game changer. Uh, I mean, the 1900 level in gold is very significant. And you know, I think in the lead up to the invasion, gold was trading in the mid 1800s. Uh, and then the very beginning of March, it, it made this, I mean, the, the day before it made this huge move, it looked like it had possibly put in a top because it made this big move and then it didn't hold like the market gave back all the gains. But then the next day, gold had this very powerful move where it opened in the U.S. at 1908. It exploded higher. And I mean, it, I know that it's come back. It's correcting some. And that's not a surprise. But I mean, it looks to me like around 1900. That looks to be a floor in the gold market right now. Uh, it, it, you know, most people look at daily and weekly charts. Uh, few people look at weekly and monthly charts. But if you look at um, the monthly chart, for example, 1900 is, has, is a very key level. Uh, it's also a key level on the quarterly chart. And so we closed the month and the quarter last week. So the end of the quarter, I think we closed at 1940, 1950, something like that. So that's actually the highest gold has closed any quarter in history. So we call that a, a quarterly all-time high. And gold's monthly close was the third highest ever. So as a technician, because that's my skill set primarily, I mean, that's my expertise is the setup of gold technically, it's very, very bullish. And I, I think that gold, I mean, there's a real risk that when gold goes above 2100, that it's really going to explode higher. And so I think that there's a real risk that we could see gold double in the next two years. So the setup, I mean, we are, you know, it's rare for me to say this, but we are at a point in time where we literally are at a point where we're really close to where the market can take off. I mean, in the short term, gold is, I mean, it made that big move. It, it was up $300, I think in six weeks up to 2080 or 2070, wherever it was. So that sharp of a move, after you make that kind of a move in gold and especially commodity markets, you tend to see a consolidation. So that, so gold is correcting, it's consolidating, it's digesting its move. And in addition to all this, the really important point is the stocks, the gold stocks, the miners, the smaller companies, they are outperforming gold during this correction, which rarely happens. You know, typically you have a correction in gold, gold goes down 10, 15%. The stocks will go down 20, 30%. They'll go down more than gold. This correction in gold, that's not the case. I mean, we just saw GDX, for example, make a new 52-week high, a new closing high. So it, it made a new 52-week high last week. Gold isn't even close to doing that. And so the last time we saw this action where gold was correcting and the stocks were really outperforming, uh, that was actually in 2009. Uh, in, in the middle of 2009, uh, gold, it, gold peaked in February around 1,000. Then it corrected, consolidated until uh, I think the end of September, then it broke above 1,000. So during that period, when gold I mean, gold corrected 15%. It was a bullish consolidation. 
So gold was correcting, consolidating. The stocks were actually trending higher and they made higher highs. And of course, you know, after gold broke above a thousand, I mean, then at that point, gold almost, uh, it almost doubled over the next two years. I mean, it got up to 1900. And also, if you look at that, I think gold from that breakout, I think it gained about 40% in a six or seven month period. And it's interesting because, you know, there's another similarity to where we are now. And so I'm looking at points where gold corrected and then it rallied back to the previous all-time high and then it corrected again and consolidated. So 2009 was one time it did that. The other time was in 1978. And so after that happened and gold broke through again, uh, it was up, I think gold gained like 42% in in five months or so. So, I mean, I don't mean to like babble on and just belabor the point, but we are in a setup right now where there is a real risk. Like if you're not in the gold market, there is a real risk that you're going to miss like a potentially vertical move over the next you know, 18 to 24 months. And, you know, I, I'm not saying like, I'm always right or I have been right, but like, I know, ne- you know, I am always in my past interviews, you can look, I'm always super cautious. I'm saying we need more time. Gold's not ready to really, you know, fly to the moon. But this is one of those rare points where, at least in my view and all the things I look at, I mean, gold is at a point where it's, I, there's a real good probability that it can really go vertical here when it breaks above 2100. Okay, John. So investors, they are looking at the show and they wonder how they can get exposure to gold. Let's maybe list the opportunity of what they can do to make sure they, they, they have got something um, in gold. Okay, well, so you have um, physical, which is if you buy physical or some form of physical, I look at that as a form of financial insurance. Um, it's also, you know, GLD, I think is the most famous ETF. So, I mean, big money, like really big money, hedge funds, you know, pensions, endowments, et cetera, you know, they typically don't, or they rarely play in the mining stocks. They just focus on physical gold. So I think it, it really depends, you know, what level of investor you are um, and, and what your goal is. I mean, if you want safety or insurance, that's physical gold. Uh, now, if you're obviously, you know, most people, they're not managing a huge portfolio like a pension fund or a hedge fund. Um, so those types of people, uh, they can also invest in the stocks. But I, I like the smaller stocks. You refer to them as small caps. I mean, in North America, uh, we call them juniors. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, I prefer the juniors just because it's a very risky business and they have a lot more. There's more risk in the juniors, but they have a lot more upside potential. Uh, so I just, I tend to prefer those companies over um, individual big miners. I mean, it's just, it's very running a, the business of a big miner. It's very diff. I mean, it's just, it's a very difficult business. Uh, they can have a lot of issues. And then I don't think they have uh, the kind of upside potential that I really want to see. Like in a, if you're in a real bull market in gold and silver and you're investing in the stocks, like you should be, to use a baseball analogy, you should be swinging for home runs 
and grand slams. Okay, okay. So uh, let's say that gold goes up, uh, I don't know, 10%. What would be the reflection on blue chips, right? So my, maybe a, a bigger uh, gold miner and then a, a junior. Well, I mean, it, it depends on the point in time, um, you know, not to step, not to step back from giving a direct answer, but generally you could say, I mean, if gold is up 10%, maybe the senior miners, the large companies, maybe they would go up 15 or 20%. And then, you know, smaller ones could potentially rise, uh, you know, 25 or 30% or so. So I thought you were um, going to say a hundred. Well, I mean, it, it, I'm just talking to, well, there are, I'm talking about the average for everything. Yeah. So there, I, I mean, I'm trying to find the ones that go up 100% in that environment. So that's, I mean, that that's what I do. So those are very, I mean, the smaller stocks are very risky, but they but they really have huge potential. And uh, so that th those are the the companies that I like to follow and invest in. Um, and I, I just prefer those types of companies. I'm more comfortable with those. But for the average person, it's very, um, it, it's just, it's very difficult because there's, huge risks. If you look at the charts of some of these stocks, you can see there's points where, wow, you know, this went up, it went up 5X or, you know, it, it went up 10 times, but then it went down here, you know, 50 or 60%. So it's, it's, I mean, I always tell people, you know, I think we're at a point where we're over the next two or three years, I mean, we're, there's a good chance we could see some huge gains in these small companies, but I always tell people, there's huge risk. You know, we have to when it, when these things go up, we have to trim, sell a little bit along the way, and we have to be very careful about how we manage our risk and manage these positions. I mean, this is not like a different industry where you can buy these and then in five or seven, you know, hold on to them in five or seven years, they're going to be you know up a huge amount. This industry doesn't work like that. You, I mean, we're going to see a huge move. In my opinion, we're going to see a huge move in the next two or three years. But then after that, you know, they could go down 50 or 60 percent again. That's just okay. how it works. OK, so um, tell me a little bit about uh, your secret to pick those uh, uh, junior that you think uh, can uh, can actually outperform the market. OK, well, we have to separate so you can have uh, you can have explorers, developers and producers. So explorers, they're basic, they have a project, they're drilling it, and they're trying to discover or basically prove up that this can be a deposit, that this can be a mine. So that's what exploration companies do. Development companies are, so they're further along the curve. Development companies, uh, the asset has already been proven that it can become a mine. So they're basically, they're trying to do all the final work before they start building it. So they permit it. Uh, yeah. they, you know, they raise financing to build the mine. And then you have producers where they, uh, you know, they're actually producing, you know, they tend to have uh, smaller mines compared to the senior companies. So when you're looking at, uh, so that's one way to look at it. I mean, my favorite aspect is probably the developers and producers because you tend to get a huge re-rating when you go from uh, being a developer to then a producer. Uh, and so in a, in a bull market, 
how can you like if the gold price is going to go from 2000 to 3000 or 2000 to 4000 how can we leverage that gain well i we want to find small companies that are growing production the fastest you know which what are the companies that can go from 0 to 100,000 or you know 0 to 200 or they're going to go from 50,000 to 150,000 ounces or they can go from 100,000 to 250,000 so those are the types of companies that I'm looking for uh, production growth you know, and then you look, you look at, uh, you know, there's many things you can look at. You can look at, you know, what type of mine is it? Um, it you know, are the, are the margins on the project good? Uh, so, I mean, is it going to be leveraged to the upside in gold? Um, the people running it, have they built mines before? I mean, so that, that's a, a huge thing that I look at. So if someone has done it before, they've, in their past, they built a mine, they sold the, you know, they sold their company that's going to give you as an investor a lot more confidence in a risky situation. You want to go with someone like that versus someone who's never done it before. Uh, so though for, so with producers, those are the things I'm looking at. And then with smaller exploration companies, um, I just, I, I try and find, you know, management that have done it before, you know, they've sold yeah. the company before, so they know what they're doing. Um, I, I try and look for projects where I think that, uh, they have strong potential to become a mine. So that also means that uh, the project has potential for a larger company to take them out and buy them out at some point. Okay. And so, you know, there's many things to look at. I mean, it depends what kind of type of project it is. I, I avoid things that are really low grade and that are really small, basically, because the market really cares about size. Yeah. So you, you tend to want to look for, something that's two or three or, you know, up to 5 million ounces. Uh, the, the market in the industry prefers that type of size versus if something's only, you know, one, it's only 1 million ounces. It doesn't, you know, they're having trouble growing it. You know, that's too small or if the grade is really low. And then also um, you have to, you have to, it has to be in a jurisdiction where there's big companies um, operating. Uh, so there could be, I mean, if someone has a really good, um, for example, let's say someone had a, you know, really good find or discovery and, you know, let's say North Korea, very random, let's say North Korea, you know, for me, I would say, well, there's no big companies operating there. So no, you know, no senior company is going to go to, you know, North Korea and buy that. It would have to be the greatest thing ever the greatest discovery in history for a big company to say, we need to go to North Korea. We need to, you know, buy this deposit because it's so good. So I tend to stick to companies that are already set, you know, set up in that country or that area. And I mean, there's, there's major companies all over the world. I mean, they're in Africa, uh, they're in, you know, North America, they're in South America, Central America. So that's another important factor because if, if you're looking at an exploration company and you say, oh, well, this, this is, you know, this is pretty good. This can become a mine. If it's big enough and it's close to where a big company is operating, the big company will pro probably buy them out yeah. at some point. So I, I try to look for, I mean, it's really risky, but there's all these factors that you look at to try and eliminate, um, you try and eliminate stocks that have you know they don't fit the criteria and another thing with exploration if the if the stock has already gone up a lot 
Um, you know, let's say that stock has gone from you know twenty cents to, to two or three dollars already. You don't see that many two or three dollar stocks in this industry becoming ten dollar stocks. Like it's just it's really rare now. It might happen a lot in the next two or three years, but it's really rare. So that's another thing. Like if if someone asked me about a company and it's already made a big move, it's like okay, I'm you know I'm not that interested. So, so what kind I, of I try and. What kind of big move you look like fifty uh, percent up? Just just to give us some kind of uh, direction. Well, I mean it. I mean it depends if it's. I mean fifty percent is fifty percent is not a deal breaker for me. If it's something yeah. that has already, if it's something that has already gone up a big amount, and the chart looks like this. Yeah. The chart looks like that. You know where it's going straight up, basically. Um, you know, that's something that, yeah, that's something that I would avoid. Now, if it's, if it's, if it's gone sideways for a while after it went straight up, then you might have a better entry point. So there's all these different, uh, factors that, um, you know, you have to know and look at. And I've like, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years and I know way more obviously than I did 15 plus years ago. But, um, when the market is really good, You know, anything can anything exactly. can move and go up a lot. And so you you have to be really careful to not think that you're an expert and you know everything. I mean, there's bad companies that can, you know, go up 5x or 10x in a really raging bull market environment. So it's, you know, and then you just have to use common sense. Like I, you know, I like to, if something's not performing well and it's a loot, you know, it's a loser, I tend to sell those. If, when we get those huge moves up. You know, you have to sell, you know, 30%, 50%, 25%, you know, pick a number along the way um, because that that's a prudent way to, you know, invest in trade uh, these types of companies. They're not, you're not buying Coca-Cola or Walmart or whoever, like these are, these are not, gonna, these companies are not going to be around in 10 or 20 years. So you have to understand that and act accordingly. The, the question that investors will say is uh, when obviously should I sell? When should I buy? We kind of explain when, you know, it's not going up, it's kind of going sideways and there is the opportunity, um, you know, to go higher. And then when it goes up, it's like, how do you judge? Because it's not easy to judge when it's time to sell. It might go up a lot, but, you know, the management team is so clever that it starts to put out more news flow to keep you on the hook. And then you think, oh, that's that, that's that. So I should wait, I should wait. And then it starts to drift down and then you don't want to sell because you don't want to admit that you should have sold before. Well, I mean, it's it really depends on um, many factors, but for the type of company, like when you're investing in tiny exploration companies, um, you know, sometimes they can make a huge move, but the news doesn't really, the news or fundamentals don't really support that move. Yeah. So when that happens, when that happens, you know, you would probably, those types of companies, like in that type of situation, I would probably sell half. Yeah. Now, if it's a, if it's a developer or a producer, and because I have an ultimate, when I look at these companies, I, you know, have the ultimate projection of, you know, what, how much is this thing worth at, you know, 3000 gold. And I factor in inflation along the way too, uh, with, with cost inflation. So if gold's going from 2000 to 3000, I mean, their cost of mining is probably going to go up along the way. So I factor that in, but, you know, back to your question, 
it, it also depends on the, you know, the ultimate value, you know, where can this, where do I, what do I think this thing could be worth at 2,500 gold or 3000 gold? You know, how close are we to that point? Um, and uh, it's, it, it's things like that. And, and also looking at, looking at the market. Like I think that over the next year to two years, we're in a situation where, you know, we could see some huge moves. So I don't want to sell anything too soon. Yeah, exactly. And, and that and that kind of so it's it's like you don't want to sell anything too soon, but at the same time you want to take some profits along the way. And that's I, that's why normally I say sell one third. You know, if it's if it's a really risky stock, sell one half. You know, maybe you only sell one quarter of it. You know, you you sell a little bit of it, and then maybe if it keeps going up in three or six months, then you sell a little bit more, and so. You then you take that money and you redeploy it in things that probably have less risk and better value at that point. But in so doing that, at the same time, you're still holding enough of the original position where if it keeps going to the moon, um, you're, you know, you're still going to make money on it. And, you know, if it turns over and it goes back down, great. You know, you trimmed it. You were able to sell some of that. So because we can't, you know, we Every investor thinks they're going to, you know, be able to buy at the bottom and sell at the top. We, it's impossible to do that. So you, that's why you have to have some kind of a plan to follow. Otherwise, you get really emotional and you'll make the wrong decisions. Okay, I think that was a great um, insight. Uh, I don't want to say advice, but a really great insight to people. So um, now. Where should investors look? Should they look more like US um, listed company or Canadian? Or do you think it doesn't really matter? It could be good to invest in some Australian listed company or London listed company. Is there any kind of criteria that you use for that? I mean, I tend to prefer Canadian listed companies, but okay. it's it's Why? it's okay. Yeah, I do. I am a little, if it's only listed in the US and it's a smaller company and it's not in, you know, Canada or elsewhere, Canada, Australia, London, that to me is kind of a red flag. So okay. I do, I do prefer, like, if you're only going to get one listing and you're a small company, I would prefer it's those other three places. But o- overall, it doesn't really matter to me that much. But I mean, you, you have to, you know, you have to have a broker that can um, buy, you know, buy direct from these exchanges. I mean, a lot of these companies, they trade over the counter in the US. And I mean, that that's, that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. But I mean, if, for example, for the European audience, I would say you probably want to have the ability to buy in Canada because Canada is really the biggest resource market. You know, I'd say Canada first, then maybe US, Australia, then London after that. So if you're a European investor, you really do need to be able to buy from Canada. Okay, that's, I think that was, uh, it was important to say because lots of uh, investor perhaps in the UK, they might just be looking at UK small miners when they might be losing up on the big gains that this, the junior are doing in Canada. So you would say Canada is basically the place to watch. Then, then you can go to US, Australia, and then eventually look at the London, at the London market. I mean, some miners in uh, on the on the LSE, they are also listed in Canada. So that is kind of uh, right. yeah. 
a reason. Okay, uh, now shall we leave the last uh, um, comment about silver? Because we talk extensively about gold and I know you are a, a big gold proponent, but silver is just behind and it can actually catch up or even you know move higher. Um, wh what do you think is gonna be ahead of silver? Um, I think that silver, uh, it's something I've been researching. I mean, right now, I think the silver, silver does better than gold when you have like a growth plus inflation environment. Yeah. And right now we're right now we're in a we're basically in a stagflationary environment where you have really low growth and high inflation. So that tends to favor gold more than silver. But that being said, I do think that's, I mean, silver has underperformed a little bit. It has really stiff resistance around 27 to 28. Um, but I, I do think that when gold breaks above 2100, uh, that we should see um, silver start to outperform gold. So after that happens, I think silver will outperform gold. And I tend to think that, I mean, the magic number for silver is 50. Uh, you know, 50 was the peak in 1980. It was the peak in 2011. Uh, so, so, I mean, silver has, again, stiff resistance, 27, 28. There's a little resistance in the mid 30s. But once silver gets above 30, I mean, I think it should be able to get to 50, especially if I mean, because assuming that happens when gold is already above 2100 and has momentum. So the, the measured upside target for gold from this breakout uh, is around 3,000. And so I tend to think uh, when gold gets, if and when gold gets to 3,000, silver can go to $50. So, I mean, long story short, yes, I'm a huge fan of silver, uh, but it's it's more volatile than gold. It's more inconsistent. And uh, with that being said, I do think when gold is able to break above 2,100, at that point, I think you'll start to see silver um, outperform gold. And uh, to go back to what I said before, you know, the gold stocks are outperforming gold now. It's similar with silver, actually. The silver, so silver is fairly weak. I mean, I saw it came down to $24 US today. Um, that's, you know, silver has been kind of weak, in my opinion. And the silver stocks are outperforming. They're doing really well. So that's yeah, another okay. good sign. Because if silver is down 10%, I mean, the silver stocks, I mean, they might be down 30, 40%. So the silver stocks are holding up really well. Um, so I, I'm, yes, I mean, silver kind of disappointing here in the short term. But again, if we see gold break above 2100 and it's going to have some real momentum at that point. And to me, that's when you're going to see more capital flow into silver. So that's one reason I like silver, because predictably, when we see gold start to move up and it looks like it's going to make a bull move, you know, silver hasn't really moved yet. And so then you can look at, OK, I can look at silver and silver stocks because they haven't really moved yet. But I'm confident knowing that gold will keep going, that eventually silver and silver stocks will move with it. OK, Jordan, thank you so much for sharing uh all of these uh, tips, uh, strategy. Uh, now, for any investor that is interested in reading your publication, because we have got to, you have got two premium publications in the US where they, they've got lots of information about small cap miners and uh, you know gold investing. So how should they get 
this content and how can get get in touch with you as well uh, they can follow all my work at my website thedailygold.com i post articles videos interviews um, there's a link to uh, i have an old book there's a link on my website so you can get a copy of the a pdf copy emailed to you i'm going to be updating that this year and doing uh, videos around the book um, so put, I'll be putting out all my research that way. So go to my website, opt in there, get on my email list, and then you can get all my free content. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll start to learn a thing or two about investing in this sector. Okay, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope to have you back soon when uh, gold make the big, the big moves. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 